Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Hey, everyone. If you didn't listen to episode 59, make sure to go back and listen where we explore Daniel's unique bonus structure, etc. And welcome to episode 61. Enjoy this great opportunity with the Cura boys. So, Daniel, what you seem very um, self-aware kind of guy from your own from your own opportunity perspective. So as you built this organization and went through it, given the generation that you were born into, right, wrong, or indifferent, it seems like you've outbehaved, <laughs> outbehaved that generation in, in different facets. What drove you to kind of maybe do some things that others that may have, you have, you know, I'm sure there were other 26 year olds that you knew of that were starting their own businesses in some sort of blue collar world, right? Mm -hmm. What did you see that you needed to do differently to be successful? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing was I, I really wanted to build a team in the very beginning when I was out there doing everything. I mean, you're answering phones, emails, you're doing the work, you know, you show up and be like, oh, are you the guy I talked to on the phone? Or, yeah, yeah, that was me. And which, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, that was me. It, eventually, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be capped here. You know, I'm only going to be able to make so much money. And I don't, yeah. don't want to be working for you know, I didn't, I didn't name it Daniel's home maintenance. It, it's Cura home maintenance, which has literally nothing to do with my, my name. And so I wanted to always build a team. I didn't know where it was going to go. And, and today it's, it's already bigger than I ever thought it would be even when I retired. But ultimately I wanted to build a place where people could come and work someone like Garrett who, Hey, maybe sitting at a desk all day long, isn't for you. And Garrett's probably 50, 50 now, 50 in the field and 50 in the office. But I can work year round. I'm not like doing very labor intensive things like pouring concrete, for example. And I'm not going to get laid off in the winter because I'm out of out of work. And so creating that that place for me was a very attractive. And I really, even at a very young age, I was I was I grew up in an entrepreneurship family. I was flipping horses at a young age, buying them for like meat price and selling them for <laughs> 700, 800 bucks. Yeah. I mean, oh, that you were, I was like, you were, that wasn't, you didn't oh. misstate that you actually meant horses, not houses. You meant, you Correct. literally yeah, meant horses. horses. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, for God. sure. Yep. Oh yeah. It's, that's a long story. It, I would get really, this might, it's the segment might get long. So, but for me, I always wanted to like invent something or create something, but I'm not creative enough to like build a better wrench. So um, you know, getting, when I saw the need for cure home and, and all that stuff, I was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, but I'm extremely competitive. When I went to go start this company, I had probably a thousand people tell me, Oh, that's an awesome day idea. You should do it. 
But I had two or three people that are very key people in my life tell me it was a dumb idea and it would never work. And that motivated me way more than the thousand people that told me it would it would work. And I'm I'm like driven to prove them wrong day in and day out and create an awesome life for myself and my team to prove them wrong. Hmm. Sort of like Aaron Rodgers. I won't compare darkness? myself to Aaron Rodgers. Do you, ever. Do you go on any darkness <laughs> retreats? <laughs> I am I am offended, Brad. I I am offended that I was compared to Aaron Rodgers. I am I am, chip on shoulder. Yeah, no, chips chip on his shoulder, right? I mean, he's wow. carried that since his entire career. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a Packer guy. I am definitely not a Packers guy, but I am way far off from an Aaron Rodgers guy. It's he's that guy's got more problems psychologically than anyone I've ever met. So, yeah, he's man. I am offended, Brad. I I thought we were on better terms than that. <laughs> Call me awesome. a millennial. I don't care. I'm offended. <laughs> You're always offended. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm triggered. <laughs> so, so along the triggered lines, what <laughs> what are you guys seeing from? Um, I would say the younger generations coming in that when you're interviewing them, just kind of sets kind of sets the tone. Like, nope, you're not a fit. So let's ask Garrett first. Mm-hmm. I would say, and it's it's funny you ask that because I can think of a few examples that I've had in these. Give them, give them. We want to hear them. Um, one of no them. Names. I would say, what was that? No names. Just give oh, give oh, some. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, Bill Smith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let, would, we'll just call would, that. We'll call, our, we'll call our example person Aaron Rodgers, just for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so when I was interviewing Aaron Rodgers last week, <laughs> my, what was really pissing me off about him? Um, uh, no, but um, I would say the biggest thing um, that I noticed is just kind of like, um, kind of just a little not. I don't want to say lacking social skills, but just like you know, like the firm handshake, making eye contact when you're talking, like you know, like not like sitting like halfway down in your chair, just like, I don't know, just what almost just seems kind of like basic, like posture and knowledge when you should be interviewing or like, you know, just, you know, in any important (laughs) meeting with someone um, is just kind of not as common sense as I would, as I thought. (laughs) Little old school school activity going on there, right? Right. (laughs) So did that happen with all the interviewees or did they? Okay. So give us some more examples. Give us. Just when I think of, I, I guess when you say like the biggest difference I see when when uh, interviewing, you know, like the younger generation, that seems to be something that sticks out. Um, is just, um, you know, might not be dressed quite as nice, um, you know, or just like the like the nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I guess um, one of the biggest differences, I guess, um, just kind of that I've noticed interviewing um, like older generation and younger generation. Um, is kind of going back a little bit to like the work flexibility, you know, they, they like asking about like, do we get holidays? You know, like, like, is it, you know, like, like are you forced to work 50 hours? Like, like what's the work schedule? Like, so I just feel like having the, the, uh, the availability to take time off and kind of set your own schedule to a degree um, seems a lot more important um, with like the younger people I interview versus older. Okay. So what do cool. the so so as your organization is probably relatively young in general for the industry you're in, 
what what's so Daniel, what is the average age of if you had to put an average age on your service tax, what would you say that is right now? Probably about twenty two. Okay. So when you get a thirty eight year old guy that's coming in to interview to be part of your team, this is for either Garrett or Daniel, how do you help that individual feel welcomed and involved because it's just there's just that gap that's there, right? Get help them fit into the opportunity, assuming they right pass the interview, go through it, can bring value, those types of things. Yeah, it's funny you ask yes, because we just hired someone who's probably what did you say, Garrett fifty five or sixty? And yeah, upper fifty, lower sixty. Yeah. Which is rare for us. I mean, we we don't discriminate, but it's rare to get that person in. But they're they're barely barely ever successful at at our company because they have a lot of the I know attitude. They say I know a lot, and that's so difficult to train in because there's you, there's no way you know what we know about you know all this stuff. So that's been really challenging. I don't think we do anything super special to make anyone fit in. We we I think we train all we treat all of our technicians the same, and no matter what your age is, I I wish I had some kind of uh, cute answer for you, but it, I think it's uh, we just kind of you know, show up, here's the day, show up tomorrow. We're going to have you in a technician meeting. You're going to do, you know, all the training that everyone else went in. I don't think we treat them very special. Um, I do want to add in, uh, Steve, to your question about different interviewees. I think a really big difference that I've noticed with interviewing different people, the older they are, the more that they're interviewing you as a business. Yes. And the younger they are, they're, they're not asking you any questions. And that's, that's a huge thing that I've, that I've noticed that, you better be prepared if you're interviewing someone who's 40, 50, 60 years old, you're going to, they're going to dive into every little detail. It's going to mm-hmm. be like a 45 minute interview because they're interviewing you as much as you're trying to interview them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but some things, yeah. Um, some things that, that we try to do um, at, at our company is we try to identify our most particular client and we'll call her Mrs. Rogers because Garrett and I both know who she is. And, <laughs> and, and, and so when we're, when we're interviewing, uh, a technician we think could we send this this uh individual to mrs rogers house and and when if someone comes in like if they're drenched in sweat because they're so nervous you're probably gonna be nervous at that lady's house and a lot of these guys what i've noticed similar to garrett like the handshake thing i like fine maybe your parents didn't teach you that but like the eye contact like they can't even look you in the eye i mean they're they're like you almost think you have like spray painted yellow on your shoes because they're like, they're looking down and then, yeah. and they'll ask you a question and they're like, they'll answer it. And they'll, they're looking way over here. And I like, sometimes I have to look and it's like, is there a mouse going up? Like what's like, I'm having a conversation <laughs> with you, man. Like, like look at me. But um, the last interview that I did, I think, I think Garrett was on another one of his uh, unlimited vacation uh, things <laughs> about a month ago. And I was doing an interview for him and uh, the guy had two phones and, and, and he was getting pinged about, you know, like, I don't even know what it was, but it was, it was so like, it was such a part of our meeting, his phones going off and him responding. I finally asked, Hey man, what, what's going on in your phones? Like explain the two phones to me. He's like, Oh, you know, and, he, and he's like, his, his answer that he gave me was, I like to have two phones so that I can play music on one phone in my car and have the GPS up on, on the other in my car. And I'm like, that that makes no sense like i do that all like i have one phone and like yeah so i i just like you know hey man we'll let you know we'll let you know if we want to come in for another interview like Excellent. see you later but the eye contact a beeper too pager uh, I, yeah no no he was he was a millennial he wasn't a boomer brad come on he didn't have a pager but uh 
some things but, come back around. Yeah, you never know. Email. But man, these flip people are just are back. so. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind a flip phone. I get sick of all this stuff on the uh, smartphones. But man, it's it's just crazy to me, like the lack of common sense conversational. Like Garrett said, like can't look in the eye. You come in smelling like crap. You're five minutes late. You don't say I'm sorry for being late. They they can't look. They, it's just like all the things that I would say like 20, 30 years ago. Like I mean, it was so obvious, and now it's just like. They just don't even care. And, and I think there's a lot to like, I don't think blame. Uh, I don't think blame is the right word. I think there's a lot of situations that have gotten to the point where it allows people to act that way in an interview because, you know, the, the fog of mirror test gets you into so many, gets you so many jobs that, hey, you know, you're good to go if you can fog the mirror. And that's, and that's just not the case at Cure Home. We can't afford to have employees that are not of a certain caliber of, of, of individual. Right. So that leads me into... The other fun question. So during interviews, what's like the most outrageous thing that a Gen Zer has brought to the interview or it's done in an interview? (laughs) Daniel's in a lot more interviews than me. He might have something better than me, but I was trying to think. Yeah. Well, one, I, I, I like to ask the question at some point toward the beginning. I'll, I'll say, um, could you tell me how you would define like integrity? And, you know, they'll, they'll ask, you know, they'll say a few things and then we talk about something else. Like, what do you like to do on the weekends or whatever, whatever, whatever. And then I say, if one of your friends walked in, what, and I asked them, you know, would they define you as a person of integrity? What would they say? And I've had people be like, Oh no, no way. It's like, okay, you don't even think you're a, a, you don't think you're a person of integrity. Like what? And and I have, I've had some people stop and think about it for a little bit. And then, and sometimes it turns into like a therapy session. They're like, well, there's a few things I could work on. And I'm like, like what, you know? And it's amazing during an interview, what people will tell you. I mean, they'll tell you anything. And it's like, sometimes just out of my curiosity, I'm like, I don't want to break any laws here, but man, I really got, you've got my, got me curious. But I think the biggest thing that I've had, I've had it two or three times where guys are just drenched in sweat like did you sit in the sauna before you came in this interview because it's dripping like on the table dripping sweat and I don't think I'm a very intimidating person I've been told differently at times but I'm literally asking you questions like what do you like to do for fun I'm like nothing I'm like you don't do anything fun like no I'm just really busy man I'm like but you're not working anywhere like no I'm like what are you busy doing you know and it's like (laughs) you, you give me something here so yeah, I think being people being drenched in sweat. I don't know. I've never seen like a weird widget or anything be brought in. I, I I don't even know if I've seen a fidget spinner. That's one thing I was thinking. Like a guy coming in with a fidget spinner, super nervous. <laughs> uh, wow. I guess I had I guess I had one I had one guy. He uh he must not have I don't know if he must not have read the posting too hard or what. But um, we got to talking just just a little bit, and he thought he was applying to like um like a tech position as like like a computer tech. He was going to be programming stuff. Mm. So that interview lasted about 10 minutes once he, <laughs> once he found out that he would be doing hands-on work and yeah. not, not programming computers. So we, yeah. we've had guys show up in suits, like a suit and tie. I haven't seen that a few times. Yep. I like suit and tie for a technician job. And usually they're a little unique, you know, I don't want to say they're like homeschool because I respect homeschoolers, but there's something a little, little unique there going on. Okay. Um, So as you have this typically young workforce for the industries you're in and serving, 
one of the things that have happened, right? Their they've been their lives have been scheduled since they were five, yeah. right? Went to school, come home, go to aftercare, go to right since since they were five years old, everything's been scheduled. Play dates, doesn't matter, whatever. This is what we're doing this and, and it's on a schedule. So the the brain of what do I have to do next doesn't get developed because they've always been told where to go, what to do. How have you been able to combat that inside Cura Homes to facilitate, or is your dispatch just are is your dispatch just that tight to your technicians that they don't have to worry about it? Just go do the thing, and it's no big deal, and they can adapt pretty easily. I guess I've never I'm trying to think. Haven't really, I guess, had that um, or like noticed that issue at all. Yeah, I'll, so we've had so the way it works at our company. You call in, you talk to our office office manager or office staff. They put it, they put your schedule in place for you through a CRM system. Our technicians can then see that. So we're kind of playing into that the way your entire life has been. You're going to have a schedule. Here's your jobs. You know exactly what you're going to do. We also have like checklists. You know, for a routine maintenance um, thing, there's a checklist of up to 34 items. You check a box for each quarter that you're there, similar to your report card. On the far right-hand side, it tells you how frequently each thing should be done it's pretty hard to screw it up. Like we're, it's, you know, it's not dummy proof completely, but it's literally telling you what to do and when to do it for the air duct cleaning. It's really repetitive because, um, we can train a person in pretty quick because each house has on average, the average house in Minnesota has about 18 to 20 air ducts in it. So we can go in a day, we can do 60 air ducts in a day. You're, you're getting repetition really, really fast. One thing that I've noticed with a few technicians is if something happens, between like 5 p.m. when they're mentally preparing for tomorrow, they, they can look at their schedule for the next day and they see this is what my day is going to look like tomorrow. If we switch the schedule at some point between then and the next day, we've had guys that like it's a day runner. And it's like, what's the difference? Either like you're still working from roughly 720 yeah, to 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. We've had guys like they like it, it like psychologically just ruins their day. And it's like, well, I was I was assuming I was going to be doing, you know, three routine maintenance jobs in an air duct rather than two large air ducts. And it's like, yeah, I understand that. But like, because this guy called in sick or whatever, we're moving you around a little bit. He's like, no, that's just not, that's not, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be doing that today. And it's like, it's not like you, they don't wear like different socks or a different shirt because of that. But I've had multiple guys throughout the years that it's, that is a problem for them. And they, they really, really like knowing what's going to be on the schedule for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then one of the last questions before we uh, head into uh, closing time here for a little bit. So um, one of the things that I hear a lot is the, you know, we get to use our phones to look things up all the time. We get to find things. We get to go look for it. And we don't create wisdom because we just go find the solution because we look it up every time. How has Kira Holmes dealt with that opportunity for finding root cause problems versus fixing symptoms and just always Googling it or always going to the manufacturer website. Every, right, every time I go and look for this particular ream unit to change its furnace filter, well, how do I change the furnace filter? Oh, let me look it up to get the instruction. To create that knowledge and wisdom so those conversations for your service techs are natural and they become, they can share that wisdom with your clients and prospects. I guess I would disagree that Googling stuff doesn't create wisdom. Um, I encourage text all the re- time. If you retain it, if you retain it, yes. But the yeah. question becomes, do you retain it or do you look it up three, four, five, six times before you finally retain it? Yeah. I, I mean, I encourage the guys all the time. Um, 
you know, Google something if they're curious about it. Um, right. No, or like if I don't answer right away, shoot it into Google. I'll still Google stuff once in a while. I, I do like it all the think, time. I yeah. don't know what re- I don't know what reels and stories and shit are. I'm so, <laughs> like, I don't know. Okay, what are these things? I'm not a TikTok guy either, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Little too old for that. But yeah, um, using the rotary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I um I actually do encourage the guys to Google stuff if if they if they have questions or are just curious, you know, on how something works. And I would say, I guess me personally, and I think a lot of the other guys. They do retain some information that way. I know some people, you know, learn and work or like learn a lot better hands-on and visual versus reading. Um, but um, but I think overall, you know, Googling, um, if they don't know the answer, definitely um, is nothing but a positive in my in my opinion. Don't disagree. It's It's the retention of it that in a conversation. So have you run into an instance where um, you have a service tech or one of your teammates that it's the same problem two three times and they've solved that problem two three times but they don't put the wisdom in place to not have the problem show up again i'm trying to think of maybe a specific example where that of where that's occurred i mean i've i've definitely um like you know seen that seen the seen a technician make the same mistake like twice um i feel like usually if they make the same mistake twice the third time doesn't happen Um, at least I can't think of anything where, you know, um, you know, they get like the third, third strike on the same mistake. Um, I can't, um, I can't imagine it or I I can't remember anything where that's, where that's happened. I don't know if, um, something sticks out to you or not, Daniel, but. Yeah. I think one thing that we have tried to do to help people become problem solvers. One thing for our company, Brad is like, you know, we're not, we don't get people calling us like as an emergency, like my furnace broke down. We're not, we're not a lot of times going out problem solving, you know, like so there's okay. something broken down. We're taking care of like the reoccurring routine maintenance items in your house. Like we know your ACE unit's going to be dirty when we show up. So the problem solving isn't as big of a need at our company. But one okay. thing that I, that I've tried to do really hard to help develop people into problem solvers. I don't like micromanaging. That's been brought up several times. And I've told guys before you call me, when you have a problem, you don't know, you have no idea what the answer is. You call me and you tell me the three possible solutions for your problem. And then I want you to tell me which one you think I'm going to pick. And what I found out is that people just literally stop calling you because they had to think through the three options to fix the problem. And then they had to think which one would Daniel probably pick. And then they're like, I'm just going to do that. There's no point in calling him. And so people just literally (laughs) stop calling you. (laughs) <laughs> and or they do call you and they're explaining the three options and they're like, you know what? Never mind. Sorry to bother you. I, I figured it out. And they hang up. And it's like, okay, it sounds good. Cause there was times when I was in Garrett's position as a as an owner operator of the business where, you know, we, I had five, six guys that I'm, you know, dispatching and they they're out working in the field. My phone was ringing nonstop. We're talking like a hundred, 150 phone calls a day. And I'm like, I I've got to get like a, a headset here or something weird to to be able to manage all these things and you start implementing little things like that and and your teammates start becoming problem solvers and, and they realize that they're smarter but the easy thing to do is just to call your manager hey how do, how do i do this and it's like are you serious you know and it's like you know the answer but they just didn't they didn't take the slight amount of energy to think through it they decided to be lazy and call so that's worked really well i've coached several of my managers to use that um technique and it's helped them become more efficient and save time throughout the day that's spectacular. 
That is, and that's a hard thing for people to do because some people yeah. like to get those calls because they want to put, they want to mm-hmm. be the firefighter. And it's like, for sure, you got better things to do with your time as the owner or dispatcher mm-hmm. or other things. You got other activity to do than, than take care of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So here's the question I've been dying to ask, and I didn't ask it in our pre-call interview. Why did Daniel Felt of Kira Homes up in Minnesota feel the need to come back to this awesome show, Blue Collar BS, <laughs> and bring Garrett with him? You know, honestly, honestly, guys, I, I actually really enjoyed talking with you last time. I've been on quite a few podcasts, and it I really enjoy helping people. There's a lot. There's quite a few reasons that go into it, and, and a few of them are selfish, and I'll share what those selfish reasons are. But okay. I really enjoy. We're selfish him. too. You're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a two way street. I, it's both directions. Yeah. <laughs> we we really enjoy helping helping people and and mentoring people. And I've had so many people reach out to me on LinkedIn or wherever it is and say, "Thank you so much for like that technique that you shared on that podcast. It helped me so much in my business." And that for me is like really rewarding. It fills my buckets and and it really helps. Additionally, it's really helped us get the word out that we are offering licenses for our company. So we've currently sold two licenses, one in Seattle and one in, in Florida. Nice. Thank you. Heck and yeah. So people are people are coming in and they're okay. they can still First call of all, it. non-family members you sold licenses to? Yeah, these guys are non-related. <laughs> yep. I, I'm okay, not just checking. Just want to make sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, non-related. They and they actually they found us through social media, which is another cool thing. You there's no way you could have said that 20 years ago. So um, so they're running their and it's underneath their own company name, but they've come in. We train them how to do everything. We give them all our systems, all our processes. We train them how to do everything. And they're successfully running routine maintenance and air duct cleaning companies in those markets. So being on podcasts has been a really good way for us to help other people, tell them about tips and tricks that have helped us grow our business, but also get the word out that we're offering these services nationwide. And, and Garrett, awesome. what uh, what kind of arm twisting did Daniel have to uh, provide you <laughs> no, in order to come no, on the show? Uh, this is actually my first time being out of being on a podcast. Um, I'm sure it's pretty evident, but um, <laughs> you're <laughs> but, good. Uh, part, of, part of it was just curiosity. Um, just kind of you know, uh, Daniel told me a bit about you guys, so just you know, hopping on, seeing what it's like, just having a chat on a Friday end of the day. Um, so those were, uh, those are the biggest reasons. Um, just, yeah, more so just for the experience, try it out. Curiosity. Well, thank you. Uh, we thank you both for being here. And if people want to inquire about a license into an amazing business opportunity or, um, have their homes cleaned up in the Minnesota area or routine maintenance taken care of. And I believe you're doing lights and things too, for holidays, if I'm not mistaken from our last conversation or thought about it anyhow. Well, that's my brother's company. I wish I could do that because, boy, the money in holiday lights is unbelievable. Ah. So big brother has a pool. I don't. So that should tell you that the light business is doing just fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to create a family strife. Yeah. <laughs> on the next show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the next show, yeah, let's get the Christmas light guy on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he services this last year. He I think he's he's got to be the largest residential service uh, holiday light installer he did over four thousand houses in minneapolis alone those guys start mid-august they go till about december 20th installing lights um he just bought a fifty thousand square foot building to store all the lights it's uh it's a very That's impressive crazy. business yeah he's he gets a, he gets in the fall they build up to about 125 employees and but then in the 
in the uh, spring, summer, and early fall. He's cleaning windows with about 50 of those guys. So he, he's got a very impressive uh, home service company, Rock huh. and Roll. And Maybe you should send him our way. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll ping him. I don't know. He's, he's not as fun. He, he's, not, he's like tense. He needs, like a, he needs a back rub. He's got to relax a little bit. He, he, you know, he's, he, <laughs> Garrett's met him. Garrett, back me up on that. Yeah, he's. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm staying out of this one. Yeah, oh, come I'm on. This, this is the fun part. No comment. No comment. Man, he's a, he's a great business person, but he'd be like, "Why am I on here? Like, what are we doing?" Yeah. So, but now he's yeah. But he he also built it out of his garage. He started um in 2008, like at like the like the worst time, arguably, to to start a business. But man, that guy has really uh built a a very respectable business. That's awesome. So how do people get a hold of you guys? Yeah, find us on on our website. It's curahome.com, K-U-R-A. You can also find us on LinkedIn, all the social media things. We're doing we're doing all the fun stuff. Follow us on social media for sure. You might learn a thing or two about maintaining your home. Yeah. And then got so, good, so got some good stuff over on our Instagram. Instagram. Okay. So anyhow. <laughs> all right. What's your hand what's your handle on Instagram? Yeah, it's at it's at Curahome. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> Come on, Brad. Give Come on, you boomer. Even Let's my go. Parents, even my parents have Snapchat, Brad. Come on. Like you're you're, you're I, I do not even have Snapchat. Don't even yeah, know how to use it. I don't think so, you so Garrett, a generation very good. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so so Garrett, as uh what would be one thing, one piece of advice you would give um some of the younger individuals that want to maybe not pursue a four-year degree, but have a desire and passion to go do something other than pursue a degree or education, what, what advice would you give them to, to be successful in, in this world of blue collar manufacturing construction trades? Um, I would say just go ahead and go, go ahead and do it and don't kind of worry about, you know, um, how, how a lot of people say like, Oh, you need this degree. You need this degree to get into this area. Um, what I've kind of found is that it's a lot about a lot more about who you know than than about you know your background and your degree. Um, so my biggest piece of advice um, would be yeah, to just go for it and don't think that you need a four year degree from college to make some money and get a job that you enjoy doing. I love that. Awesome. All right, gentlemen, we appreciate your time today and. Uh, we look forward to getting this episode out here soon for everybody to see and then uh, the video that's going to come with it. So I'm very excited. So thank you, gentlemen, for both being here today. Mr. Doyle, you too. I appreciate you showing up this time. That's great. <laughs> so just yeah. got it. All right. Low blows today. It's just a low yeah, blow. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm glad we could wake the boomer up from his nap. So <laughs> it was. It's It was nap time. I, I got to go get dinner. It's almost four o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We will talk to everybody soon. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS, brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue collar businesses strong for generations to come.